Welcome to Pablo Held Investigates. Today I'm going to talk to uh, Dave Longstreth, the mastermind behind the great band Dirty Projectors. When I first heard the Dirty Projectors sometime in 2012, I was blown away. I think it was either Two Doves from the Bitter Orca record, or maybe that was it from Swing Low Magellan. I fell in love with this music right away. The creativity and the searching quality of Dave Longstreth's songwriting and production style simply amazed me. Also, the way he leads the band was a big inspiration for me. Actually, it feels strange to single out specific things that I admire about him and this music. It's the whole package. I then made an effort to check out as many Dirty Projectors records and bootlegs as I could. Among my favorite albums are Mount Wittenberg Orca, Bitter Orca and Swing Low Magellan. I remember a tour through South America with my trio where I exclusively listened to the Dirty Projectors and Maria Callas singing Puccini's Tosca. I love this band and I keep finding new things in those recordings all the time. My composition Longstreth Blues, as heard on my album Glow Part 2, is my tribute to his music. I think I try to channel a couple of things I learned through listening to Dirty Projectors. I went to Berlin to see Dirty Projectors live in August of 2018 and I got the opportunity to interview Dave before the concert. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Um, a nice thing that uh, Steve King said is um, uh, the int most interesting scenario can usually be expressed in a what-if question. And I feel wow. like a lot of your music is like that. Wow. You know, um, a lot of your music is like, what if I do, at least it sounds to me like that, you know, <laughs> you're going like, what if I do this? Because um, a lot of what you're doing is, has not been done before and this is why it's so so inspiring to to check it out oh, wow. because I feel like wow I never heard that before yeah I mean I like to I like to be I like to have the feeling that I'm that I'm pushing it somewhere that I've never been before yeah you know um, and and yet yeah, to be to take risks you know and to be audacious and to to choose the thing that's like too much mm -hmm. you know I like I like that yeah <laughs> how did you how did you uh, uh, first experience that process like uh, going a little bit too too far because I, I know the feeling from myself when when you go somewhere and you kind of get hooked on that feeling like mm. oh, I, that mm. feels nice mm. you know yeah I don't I don't know where exactly that came from maybe um like starting to be a song a song you know a songwriter in without much of a scene you know scene around me I just grew up in a random pretty rural town and mm. My brother was really inspiring to me as a as a kind of like budding songwriter and everything, and I was kind of imitating him. But beyond him, there wasn't like a larger community. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't go to shows, uh, like you know, that kind of thing. When I was a teenager, you know, um, it wasn't available to me. I didn't I didn't know about it, um, and there just wasn't much going on in like central Connecticut mm -hmm. where I was growing up. Um, and in a lot of ways, I like miss, I feel like I missed something in not having that, you know, friends who come from like other cities or, or small cities that had like scenes in their town and mm -hmm. artists coming through and everything. I'm envious of that experience. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe it allowed me to just kind of like 
make my own rules or mm -hmm. or just uh, make make things without really regard to um, or reference to like what a what a normal way of doing things would be. Mm -hmm. What was your you know formal training of, of the guitar or music? What was it? Mm. I never really studied the guitar, but and it's funny like you know when I was really young and just kind of getting into music. Um, I was, you know, I was, I was really inspired by like punk mm -hmm. music and just the ethos of like doing it quickly and the idea that, um, you know, um, vir you know, virtuosity or technique mm -hmm. were, uh, were antagonistic to truth yeah. in expression. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't really have a lot of patience for, um, you know, learning things to, learning to do things the right way or something. But at the same time, I was just very curious about, about music. How did they do that? You know, or like even with four track stuff, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the early Beatles, like all that stuff is on four track, you know, mm -hmm. and I would be reading about this and I'd be like, well, I have a t Tascam 424, mm -hmm. so I should be able to do, you know, Rubber Soul. Sure. On this yeah. thing, you know, and so I just got very curious about like how do how do they do you know how what are those sounds how do they do them, recording wise and orchestration wise and all that stuff. So, I guess despite my you know um, you know ideology, my my curiosity about music won out, and I just kept on kind of like I guess studying things and. Um, so did you take them off the record? and you know learned the parts and that way you learned to 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 pl actually play the instrument well i don't know how to play the, i don't know how, <laughs> well, i don't know how to play the sounds, instrument it sounds like you can play the instrument you know i play it my own way you know yeah. i hack through it but like that's like that's like anything um but i did i eventually studied like orchestration okay um yeah. you know because I, I really wanted to know how to you know how to write for for orchestra you know mm. so i studied that okay so um also, when you incorporate so many different influences, also the, the African thing, you know, it seems to me the the kora has been an influence on you. Oh, the kora, yeah, 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 how it's played, and mm. you really transport that on the guitar mm. for your songs. Yeah, like what you know, there's so much invention in in, in African guitar playing, West African yeah. guitar playing, and um, and I love that stuff. I love how melodic it is, and I love the freedom of of um, just very staccato and and uh you know ripping in in major keys yeah you know beautiful. and doing a lot of inversions and but with just relatively major minor -y sort of chord i don't know yeah 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 cool I, d i don't yeah i didn't think really think about it as you know transposing the chora to the guitar but in a w in a way maybe that feeling of uh west african guitar music comes from the Kora tradition, which is, you know, hundreds of years old. Yeah. Um, you know, those instrumentalists bringing Kora fingerings and whatnot to to, uh, to guitar music. Mm. I'm curious sometimes when with, with your songs, uh, how you start the process, mm. you know, because when I think of a song like The, the Socialize, yeah, yeah. Um, I have the feeling the guitar pattern was there first, and then the... Well, Actually, that's a question. Was the guitar uh, pattern I, there first, and then the beat, which is another thing that I'm so impressed by. 
sometimes the, the beats uh, seem to be like when you hear that it fits perfectly but mm -hmm. also it poses like a question because it's mm -hmm. not the first thing you would think mm -hmm, somebody mm -hmm. would play to that guitar pattern mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so I wonder what comes first and then how you approach um, like for instance when you start with the guitar pattern yeah, yeah you know how do you go about I think the earlier version like there was a demo version of the socialites that was um, that I think didn't have that arpeggiated guitar thing I think that I think that came later but I, I actually don't remember what that song I like the idea of, of the, the, the beat posing a question, I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's how it sounds to me. When you, when you start with the beat uh, for, for a song, with yeah. the guitar, uh -huh. how, how do you go about it? Generally, I just um, have, you know, little samples or um, little pieces of sound that I like. Um, and I arrange them in the in the edit window of Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of like you know, lay them lay lay out a couple different layers, and then you know, and for things like the Getty address or or um, you know things of when I was younger, really really kind of early in doing this, um, that would be that. The Getty address. Where did you record the the woodwinds and everything? Uh, at school, I was in college at the time, man. and uh, so many great sounds on that record. Yeah, thanks, it, man. thanks, man. Yeah, you could start like a um, like an extracurricular club at university, and you could, if you filled out forms and wrote a little essay or something, you could apply for funding for your mm. club. And so I started a club that was called the Orchestral Society for the Preservation of the Orchestra. And um, and so I got you know grant money to to record um, you know put together a a group of players you know and record them and uh, and so yeah like some of those it's like a this weird little stone chapel mm -hmm. um, at at Yale um, is where the woodwinds were recorded and maybe the strings as well or maybe the strings were multi tracked and just done in like a rec room. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But, uh, oh yeah, so re more recently, I guess, um, you know, I have that kind of like rhythmic grid. Um, and then um, I actually get people to play it. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mike yeah. will we'll learn, ask, you know, generally if there is something that approximates a kick, snare, and hat, that'll go to Mike. And then you know, other other elements that seem like auxiliary or hand percussion or whatever. Um, on the last two records, Mauro Rafalsko did those, mm -hmm. who's um, just an amazing Brazilian percussionist um, who I got to know through David Byrne. And uh, and he's just an absolute monster. Um, and uh, and it, yeah, it was, it was really fun to, to do that, to go in and take these beats. Oh, uh, so then we, you know, we record them, and um, some, you know, then you have the freedom to decide like um, how you want to treat it from yes. there. And there's like so many, there's such a world of things there. Do you leave it as performed? Mm. You know, do you find a small segment of it that you like as a loop, and just treat it like that, or do you actually, you know, cut on the on the transient and reproduce the exact? oftentimes sort of like weird feel mm. of the original kind of like, you know, demo beat. Um, 
and different times it seems like different um you know different things are appropriate at different times or like sound good at different times um so yeah so you know just trial and error following your gut or you know but i do feel when you play live you encourage the the band members also to sort of treat it spontaneously also right definitely yeah. i mean i think mike has a sort of also like it like a jazz attitude at times he does uh, yeah right yeah 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 i wonder um where did you where did you find him because there was another drummer before that mm -hmm. right who played on bitter orca right? mm -hmm. brian brian okay. brian is a is an amazing drummer yeah um yeah mike was playing in various bands around around brooklyn he played in a band called glass ghost that is pretty awesome mm -hmm. and um and yeah i just loved his his feel yeah his sensitivity he seemed like a drummer who is like you know responding to melody mm -hmm. which is i feel like a somewhat rare rare thing as a drummer i think that if i were a drummer i would be inclined to think structurally you mm -hmm. know what i mean and so mike is like a poet you know yeah so i love that about him yeah yeah how he plays maybe that was it that's pretty special I yeah think. man oh wow okay yeah we should bring that in we're doing some um it, we're not playing it right now yeah uh but we're doing some like residency shows in america in the mm -hmm. fall where we're going to do like different sets every night mm. and so it would be fun to bring that one in man i, I love that song thank it's you a, thank a you special one thanks all of them are great um, a lot of your music really forces the listener to listen it's not like I'm just gonna put that on and then you know do something else. Maybe I'll be, do something else, but constantly your music will be like, what? What was that? Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. even when I listen to it hundreds of times, like I can go back to uh, maybe that was it and still get a kick out of it. Like, how did you come up with that pattern against the, you know the time? Right. It took me really. I transcribed that song and it took me a really long time to figure out oh, what the actual time feel below that is right know? right and also i only got the sense of that in the last four bars that really gave it away mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i don't know i mean that was that was weird that was a weird one maybe that was it uh started out as just like a little like voice memo mm -hmm. um just like acoustic guitar and that melody and then um it was just it was more just intuitive figuring out where you know where the kick and snare would go on it you know yeah. so i don't yeah i probably don't know what the what the time is on it but do you write it down mm, only if i'm writing a, an arrangement for um for like players that need to read like horn players or string quartet so the band you're just teaching them the songs through playing them for it mm -hmm. or do you send out mm -hmm. recordings or mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. I, yeah that's the way we've done it Recent, this in this last round so okay. it goes a lot faster yeah yeah uh, so so then what's the process everybody just prepares the music and then you get together and you're like uh, I like what you play and I don't like what you play maybe you can do something different or yeah I mean you know we so we put together Lamplit Pros from from just the the multi-tracks and so yeah in you know in the past rehearsal has taken so much time because till teaching these kind of like you know parts some of which get a little tricky i guess um in person mm. you know can take forever and then i can be kind of an unreliable narrator 
um, about about things as well. Um, so to have the you know the concrete resource of the recording, and just it allows people you know space I think to to get in there and and uh, and just learn it in their own way at their own pace. And then so rehearsals were like I think they were pretty pretty straightforward you know coming into a situation where everybody know, you know knows their part and then from there it's just about blending and um and tones and figuring out how to listen for each other cool uh when i when i see you guys live i mean that's the first time i see you, i'll see you guys live but i've seen a lot of videos in all, all the records um it really seems to me like you're a very democratic uh band leader Uh, and I sometimes get the sense, it reminds me a little bit of Sly and the Family Stone. Ah. You know, that, that mastermind in the back, uh, not always in the back, but you know, that mastermind writing all these beautiful songs, mm -hmm. but then going like, you know, I'll, I'll lay this one out, you know, as from the vocal point. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll sing that one. And then you, you're really using everybody's full potential, I think. That's cool. That's cool. I like the way you're. I like the way you're describing that. And I love. I love Sly so much. It's funny you say that because I've been listening to "There's a Riot Going On" mm -hmm. like so much in the last year or so. Yeah. And yeah, just passages where um, uh, that's all I'm listening to. Yeah. Yeah, and it's such a deep, crazy record. And then those earlier kind of like singles that are just so stand. Like yeah, stand. yeah, just so major key, so exuberant. Yeah. It's unbelievable, the emotion of those recordings. Yeah. What else inspires you these, these days? What do you listen to? Um, on this tour, I've been listening to um, a lot of, like, Robert Johnson, actually. Robert Johnson. Just the classic, like, Delta Blues mm -hmm. player, you know? Um, and, you know, I think there are maybe, like, I don't know, 27 recording songs that he recorded mm. so there's it's very limited but um i don't know why i've gone back to that i started listening to it when we were in japan mm. and then I, i i like to go through periods where you're just like i listen to one thing and i listen to it like me too over yeah. and over and over again yeah i've also been listening to that song cruising by uh smoky robinson mm -hmm. so much okay it's such a beautiful song it's hard to say what my favorite uh, record of yours is but I think the one I've listened to the most is the one with Björk oh uh, really Mount Witt Wittenberg Orca oh cool uh, I just can't get enough of that record and um, I, I want to know I want to know everything about it how you how you started it how, how the process for that record was mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how you met Björk and how she was in, in the studio or whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay well okay so hopefully I'll get the years right I think in 20 10. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine, Brandon Stosi, uh, in, in New York, where I lived at the time, uh, was on the board of a, um, of like a bookstore in New York that, um, well, it's called Housing Works, and so it's like a, a charity bookstore for, um, and all the money that it generates goes to like AIDS research. Mm. And I think once a year, maybe twice a year, they do these things that just sort of like shows, you know, benefits to, to raise money. And, uh, and he's like involved in music as well. Um, he runs that website, The Creative Independent. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've checked it out. I, I think I've heard the name. Maybe I've read something there. 
It's cool. It's it's kind of like artists talking to artists about mm. you know their their practice and stuff. But um, so he and he I think worked on a on a monograph or something with with Matthew Barney, and got to know Bjork through that. So he had the idea of putting us together, and uh, and he was kind of like you know it can be whatever you guys want to do if you want to. Um, play some of your own songs and then she'll play some of hers that's cool or if you want to do something collaborative that'd be cool too and uh i had um was it 2010 maybe it was 2009 i don't know exactly i don't it know sounds like the right period yeah but anyway um it's funny that all that stuff is long enough ago that you're like wait what you're <laughs> oh well um but uh But my idea was like, I want to just make make a, a suite of songs, like new songs, and we'll just get it together. And the thing is that it was coming up really quickly. Like there was um, maybe uh, you know a, a week or two um, to write it, and then we would have a week to rehearse it, and then it was the show. So the whole thing was the whole timeline was like two or three weeks. It was crazy. Um, and so I just wrote it as quickly as I could first thought best thought like punk style um and made you know little multi-track demos um out in california because we were between tours i think and we were just resting um at my aunt's house mm -hmm. <laughs> um and uh and so then we came back and learned the stuff really quickly bjork joined us i think for the last two days of rehearsing it um, and that was just so incredible the, the, to be right in the room with her, you know, just in our little living room in, in Brooklyn as she was, you know, her, her voice is like magical. It's, it's, it's yeah. insane. Otherworldly. It was so powerful and yeah. so inspiring for, for us. So how did she learn your songs? I don't remember. I guess she must have had the demos as well. Okay. Yeah. 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 Does she read music? Yeah. music? I don't really think so. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I think she's kind of like me, where she could write it down if she's writing a part. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't, I'm not a good like sight reader or reader yes. in general. I think she's the same way. I think she must have listened to it. You know, I was, I sang demos of her, of her parts. Mm -hmm. um, What was it like to, to rehearse her? Like to say to her how she maybe should approach things? It was awesome. I mean, basically it was crazy because for the most part for like 99% of it it sound, it just sounded perfect and kind of like I hoped it would you know mm -hmm. and then there were a couple things where um, you know it was just like oh like could you pronounce this um, you know vowel differently or something yeah. you know like little things like that but and then she was so just selfless as a collaborator I, I couldn't believe that how she was just sort of like I am you know here For this for this collaboration to serve these songs and and uh, that was that was so neat uh, yeah so she's pretty pretty amazing mm -hmm. person so we recorded oh yeah so then we had the show and I think the show is on YouTube right it is it is yeah, yeah. the show was really really fun um, and uh, yeah we I think we came away feeling like we pulled it off but we maybe could have used a bit more rehearsal <laughs> um, and then yeah I think we did a whole lot more touring um, for like a bit of Orca and we got around to recording it you know several months later mm -hmm. um, 
and so it came you know it came what we did that at the rare book room basically live you know in the spirit of um of uh just the sort of spontaneity and minimalism of the of the project um recorded it at the rare book room and um and yeah um the last song all we are bjork i think maybe was playing some shows so she she came in after we had put down the, the tracks to um to sing her parts and uh and yeah just the feeling in the room as she did uh her her verse on that was just mm -hmm. you know yeah very powerful and i think that it was the first or the second take yeah for her yeah which is like what is that yeah what is that yeah yeah, wow. So when you when you compose, like, oh, you know, you have you have one week of composing. Maybe you can go a little bit further in explaining, like, uh, first uh -huh. thought, best thought. I like that concept. Oh yeah, I think that that I think Arthur Russell said that, mm -hmm. or he had something named that. Yeah, first thought, best thought. Um, that's kind of that punk idea of like, you know, don't belabor it, don't, you know, don't uh, second guess it don't uh prepare even just yeah go. it's very spontaneous that way yeah like improvisational in a way also yeah mm -hmm. yeah i know i mean i think it's a useful um thing for me to remember when i can because i do tend to get a little bit heady about stuff sometimes so it doesn't sound like that <laughs> oh cool thanks <laughs> thank you um yeah i, I like that idea mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit about the bride just anything that that uh, you have to think of when you maybe go back listen to that song or if you yeah still play it I don't know we haven't played it in a bit um, it would be it would be fun to play it was a melody that I wrote um, like a couple years before we recorded it and um, I had it kicking around I always sort of liked the melody just how kind of wild it is mm -hmm. um, and how it seems to you know, there's like a grammar of melodies and I just, and almost like a, you know, a sentence structure or something. And uh, just the particular grammar of that melody, the way it sort of like leads inexorably to the uh, da na 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 mm -hmm. I don't know, I liked it. Um, but uh, I think I rewrote the words for, for Bitta Orca. Um, and I think there is a YouTube of like a really early Mm -hmm. version of the song with different lyrics with different lyrics yeah yeah okay yeah um how come you you wanted to change it i don't remember um and somebody pointed me to that youtube and they were like this is the bride and it's it's from it's it's early in in dirty projectors it's like new attitude era like first some first live shows and i had ah. forgotten all about it in some ways, it's difficult for me. I mean, I guess you know it was it was a while, it was a long time ago, but it's hard to remember, mm -hmm. you know, what I was thinking. But I guess I maybe I just felt that the lyrics weren't. Um, I actually have no idea. Yeah, I I decided to rewrite the lyrics. Yeah. So there's different words on the the Orca version. Mm. Do you have something like a daily routine, or like, do you practice, or is it more a process of just? maybe uh, relearning a song that you want to play again or uh, composing and then you pose a, like a question or like a like a goal or uh, a problem musical problem onto yourself and then mm. you kind of solve it by mm -hmm. trying to play or mm -hmm. what's your 
I don't, well, you know, daily routine is difficult, is difficult to say right now because I'm on tour, Sure. Yeah. you know, um, but I think, you know, in the larger kind of like cycle of like writing and recording and touring, touring is, is always like sort of, um, uh, it's a good place to collect questions and, um, collect, um, yeah, interests or like, I want to, I want to, I want to check that out or I would love to try this, you know? And yeah, I mean, I think that writing, I like to do, the way I like to write is just to go somewhere and like be alone or basically alone and work constantly and just sort of be in my own head and just generate as much um, as possible uh, and not really edit very much. Yeah. And then editing is a part of arranging and recording, mm. you know. Yeah. What do you do to, um, if you feel uninspired but you feel like you want to you wanna do something, how, how do you get the engine running, like the creative yeah. spark? Yeah, yeah. I think it's important because when you can't work for whatever reason, I think you should just pay. You have to pay attention to that, you know. Mm -hmm. I trust that it's that there's a there's a cycle to it. You know, there's an ebb and a flow. Mm -hmm. There's you know the uh, whatever a, a um, you know it's like sleep or something. You're awake and then you sleep. You contract the muscle and then you relax it. So if you're not in the mood to do something, you shouldn't. <laughs> you know. Right. Okay. But how do, does that translate when you have to do a, you know, write a couple of songs in, in two? Well, you give yourself weird, weird deadlines like yeah. that. I, I do, see. I do a lot of that. A lot of my deadlines are like aspirational. I you know, see. where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be done with this two weeks from now. Yeah. And maybe you hit it, maybe you don't. Mm, I see. We touched on that a little bit before, but um, I feel like your world is constantly growing. And you're adding so much new stuff to your to your palette that you're choosing from. Mm. Do you think that's connected to your curiosity to uh, say like, well, that, I've done it that way, but now I'm going to do it differently, or now I'm going to add something? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's not. Um, I I guess those things, the the things that get added and the things that fall away, it, it happens, you know, pretty pretty intuitively. Um, but. Uh, But yeah, I'll either just forget how I did it before, <laughs> or just be like, okay, well that that got boring, so let's try it. Let's try to do this differently now. Yeah, yeah. I think the the new record also combines a lot of stuff from the past with new thoughts. Also, would you say the same? Or I would say the same. Yeah, yeah. And I think that people have asked me about this before, so I've had a chance to think about it. <laughs> um, but uh, and I think that like part of that had to do with not playing shows on the self-titled record right and so to just finish an album and master it and take a couple weeks and then go right back into writing more yeah and recording more i didn't have you know if you if you know you because you you i always end up killing myself making making a record and it, you know it's just it's so it's it can be very intense and everything and then Oftentimes when you finish a record, then you go out on tour for like a year. And that's its own form of just, you know, intensity. 
sometimes when you when you're you know when you're done with all that you're just sort of like all right whatever however the the however i made those decisions and whatever kind of like stylistic choices i ended up here i'm going to do the exact opposite this yeah. time you know but because I didn't go on tour, I had no I had no angst about it. And I yeah. wasn't like, I need to start again. I need to throw everything away. And so it just allowed me to kind of build on the things that I that I know, mm -hmm. you know. So it it ended up being, I think it's maybe, yeah, it's a, it's a record that is more taking, yeah, taking the various, um, like, things that I love and, and, uh, and, you know, I don't know, elements of a style or something and then throwing them all together what's going on in I want to feel it all what do you mean <laughs> that's, that's a journey that track I mean yeah yeah I love that you're allowing um, yourself to take that many risks and also to have a song not be one thing you mm. know mm. it's something that I think I've learned from you um, through listening to you like allowing a song or a composition to start out as something but then becoming something totally different huh. without having to return always uh -huh. to, the, to its core idea you know oh, just to yeah. be like well that that's somehow connected uh -huh. and it comes through me uh -huh. you know that's what connects it okay and then now yeah, something yeah. different but it's still one song like ascent uh through the clouds also mm. like, that's a that's a journey you know? send through clouds yeah that song is crazy but <laughs> feel it all To me, that's like a relatively, um, you know, a standard, a, a standard sort of song. It's like um, structurally, it's exactly the same as "Impregnable Question." Mm. You know what I mean? Um, there's like two verses, and then a break, an instrumental break, and then another mm. verse, and then the and even the, the the way that the verse resolves in that kind of like phrase. I guess Gershwin called it a vest. Like when the when you know a hard rain's gonna fall. Like the name of the song mm -hmm. is the is the um, kind of like uh, titular or yeah the titular phrase is the last phrase of the melody. I see. And depending on where the the words have gone, it always ends up there. Mm -hmm. Or regardless of where the 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 words in the verse take you, you end up there. Mm -hmm. It's just that kind of you know it's that kind of song. The crazy thing about feel it all is realizing that it could change keys. Yeah. Um, And and so build like tucking those two key changes in there, allow I feel like gave it this kind of like constantly like rotating movement, mm -hmm. and so the song does end in a different place than it began, even though the structure is very, you know, classic. Yeah. Um, yeah, and to me it, it it I guess that it works with the subject of the song too, which is just about experience, mm. you know time but uh like on a nerd note to record the um we recorded all of the <laughs> we recorded all of the uh strings and the um brass in the same key mm. and then um how about the recorder yeah it was all in the original okay. key and then um, so the middle section of the song, including the like second verse and the and the bridge, are in the original key of the song. And the first part of the song is pitched down a step, and then the third verse to the end is pitched up a step. And so what that like what that allowed to happen was that the 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 brass 
uh, and winds in the first part of the song are like Varus bed down. They're a little bit more like narcotized or something. Mm -hmm. They're just slower and a little bit woozier. Yeah. And then the strings in the last verse and the tremolo, the tremolo is that much more like, you know, pseudoephedrine style. You know, mm -hmm. um, so and yeah, so these these instrument groups became even more like what they were in the process of of affecting those key changes to the to the you know to the um, recording. So I don't know. I was really excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pablo Held Investigates. If you like the interviews, subscribe to this channel. Also, you can check out all my previous interviews on YouTube for the respective video versions. They will slowly be posted here as well. To be notified for new interviews, you can subscribe to my newsletter on my website at pabloheld.com or find me on social media. I'm at Pablo Held Music on Instagram and on Facebook. Doing these interviews is a lot of fun, but also lots of work that I'm doing in addition to my touring and teaching schedule and my family life. So if you would like to support the interview series, please consider donating at steadyhq.com slash pabloheld. That's steadyhq.com slash pabloheld. Thanks for listening.